And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog. We're live on Instagram right now. Uh, those of you listening can't see that. I'm here with that being Hoke. Yo, what's up, everybody? Uh, we got everything we're going to cover today. We got UNC basketball, a lot of drama. I know you guys are wanting to know what is going on. Uh, we're going to cover that. We're going to talk about all that. Um, so it's going to be a great, uh, a great episode. We're also live on the gram. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're all about the people. So hit us up. If you have questions, we have answers. Let us know. Yeah, man, the wheels are falling off in Chapel Hill. The wheels are falling off for a lot of a lot of teams in Indy, uh, where they're having the tournament. The wheels are falling off for the referees. Uh, the wheels are falling off for the NCAA. Look on women's basketball. Uh, yeah, we're gonna wheels are falling off for us because the bachelor's over, and we're gonna wonder what the hell we're gonna talk about for all this time. But we are gonna figure it out. And fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on. Uh, your views on the Tar Heels, they've given us plenty to talk about in the last 48 hours. Walker Kessler transferring, like the craziest story to come out of Chapel Hill since, I don't know, since the place was built. Uh, Dayron just announced maybe an hour ago he's going to NBA draft. It's a shame they don't have a third round because uh, that's probably where he would get drafted. No one knows what's happening with Caleb Love. No one knows what's happening with Armando. Nobody knows what's happening with Garrison. I mean, hell, people think Roy's going to retire at this point. So, yeah, man, I'm sure everyone is anxious to hear your thoughts, big dog. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure where to go from here. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of drama, not only in UNC, but uh, all of college basketball with the COVID uh, protocols and players being able to transfer wherever uh, with no repercussions. It's going to make things definitely interesting. And I was listening to – uh, Coach K, uh, he has a radio show last night. I didn't even know, and I was just driving. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I listened to it. I don't know what was wrong. I, there was not not anything was clicking for me on the radio, so I turned it on. I just kind of listened. And I actually think he said 800 players have already entered the, uh, the transfer uh, portal in college, and it's just crazy. I think this is going to be a mess, um, but – Um, this is something that I've pushed for is players being able to transfer without any repercussions. Like they shouldn't have to sit out a year. Um, you know, it might be a little different if you transfer two or three times. Coaches can change teams. No problem. They can switch, take new jobs, leave no repercussions on them. Why shouldn't the players have these same, um, standards? So, uh, here we are, and we're going to see what it's like. This might be a little test run for the future for the NCAA. But, yeah, we'll start with uh, Walker Kessler. Now, this one kind of hit home, and I think this one's really difficult for a lot of UNC fans out there. Um, and, you know, former players, including myself, because I feel like when we watched Walker, um, there was never like a, like, man, this guy just doesn't get, like, I felt like he was on the the verge of really breaking through at any game and becoming that dominant player night in and night out. And what he had, he had, you know, to me, he had skill. He had athleticism for being 7'2". He had size you can't really – you can't teach. And he had all the intangibles. Like, he had a good attitude. I think he carried himself um, – 
in a great manner on and off the court and was very encouraging even when he wasn't playing. So, yeah, it is frustrating. Um, but uh, for me, for Walker, I wish him nothing but the best. And I, I hope he gets what he, I hope he gets what he wants. And uh, because I think he's going to be a hell of a basketball player on down the road. Unfortunately, the tough part for UNC fans and coaches, um, and you know, you got to realize the coaches have a lot more invested in this player than we do. Fans, former players. Uh, they went out and recruited him for years, uh, built a relationship. So it's tough on them as well. But, um, yeah, I wish him nothing but the best. No hard feelings. Uh, if he thinks this is the right move for him, his career, and the path he wants to take, uh, there may be some things that we don't know about. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But for us, I think the frustrating thing is well, this is a guy we could have, you know, we thought could be you know, are big for the next couple of years and we could really grow and see him into becoming a hell of a player. And uh, I think from that aspect, it's a little frustrating, but uh, no hard feelings. Um, and I can understand. I think all fans could could think like, hey, we wanted Walker to play a little bit more as well. I mean, we don't coach the team, but we could understand there are some frustrations Um you know, playing time could have been an issue. I'm not really sure. What you think, Sleep? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I guess some comments. I, I made some comment about Roy Williams retired. That was like kind of a joke, tongue-in-cheek. No, he's not going anywhere. Um, the whole Walker-Kessler thing, man, is a real bummer. Like, we've had players leave in the past that nobody really liked anyway. Um, I found I, – I, I was curious because, I, I mean, he, he just – it just never really added up to me you know, why he wasn't getting more playing time. And I'm always cautious to question Roy Williams or anybody else because, you know, I mean, I can couch coach with the best of them, right? So clearly the guy had, you know, he had the COVID issues. They said he had some, some a few, a few little nagging like injuries here and there. But uh, I went back and I looked and he and Walker per 40 minutes ranked second on the team in field goal percentage points and rebounds, and first on the team in assists and steals. That's per 40 minutes. He was ninth on the team among the team's 10 rotational players in minutes, and the only person he was ahead of was uh, Anthony Harris, who didn't even play until January. So, you know, look, you played college basketball. I played baseball in junior college, and it was an issue there. I mean, you got these kids who are good, um, who were good in high school, or, or a guy like Walker, it really seems like he really is that good, just not getting the minutes that he he feels like he should. And if you go look at the stat sheets, I mean, dude, this guy's like hardly ever playing. And so um, I, I would have to speculate that – you know, he wanted to go somewhere else. Maybe he had a different interpretation of, of where he could go get some more time. It's really interesting because he had to know Dayron was probably going to leave. He had to know that maybe Garrison, uh, you know, there's a lot of things up in the air. You had to think that this guy was going to come in next year and just be a star. Maybe he thought that that it robbed him of an opportunity to go straight to the league. Uh, I don't know, man, but it was like that was that one hurt. Um, you know, I think he 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 checked all the right boxes. Seemed like a great kid. The thing that bothers me is when you start talking about the parents getting involved, and that's that's the big thing. Like I heard the conversation was between the coaches Walker and Walker's dad, and I get that, dude. These guys are talented, yada yada yada. But you know, we've seen it. Some people going, parents, you know, chiming in on 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 Twitter. I mean. 
I don't know. To me, it's just I hope that this situation it seems to have calmed down a little bit. I just hope the situation doesn't de- devolve into like this dramatic, you know, Twitter fest with all these people just saying all this crazy stuff. Because look, there's one thing that's constant here, and that's UNC and Roy Williams win, and they win a lot. So whatever you know, I think might be going on. I'm always just going to default to the fact that Roy Williams wins 7.5 out of every 10 games he coaches. You know, it's 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 inarguable, you know, and so, yeah, I hate to see him go. I hope he doesn't go to Kentucky. I hope he doesn't go to Duke anywhere else. I don't really care. Um, but yeah, I wish him the best, man. He's a talented guy, and it's gonna really, I really just hope he doesn't wind up being our Russell Wilson, you know, where <laughs> he becomes like Dirk Nowitzki, and he went to like Stanford after Carolina, and we're like, oh boy, we uh, we missed out on that one. Yeah, and that's the frustrating thing is. Um, when you when you watch Walker play, you know we all felt like he was super talented, and not only was he talented, but his his ceiling, his potential, is so high because you don't see his size and the way he moves with his touch and you know kind of his feel for the game. Um, you know that's that's not that's not often, and he's a rare player. But uh, yeah, you know, like you said, sleep. I hate when parents get involved and. Um, I've made this point um, not only to teammates, but it's also at a different level is if there's an issue that you have with the coach, you have with the teammate, you don't have somebody else go talk to them. And at professional sports, I think young guys get caught up in talking to their agent, agent talking to their coach. You need to go have that conversation uh, with that person you have an issue with, whether it's your teammate, whether it's your coach, I think you need to go and handle it directly so there's no back and forth where the message could be get lost in the middle. Um, but I, I, I honestly, um, I hate that, uh, you know, as parents, you feel so involved and you should be involved in your uh, kids' um, kids' life and where they want to go. But to go public with that uh, sometimes I think is, you know, I, I don't think that's the right move. Um, but, uh, you know, be, just because it puts your kid in a vulnerable situation. Like, why would you go make a ludicrous statement or why would you, you know, say something, you know, that draws attention when your kid has to live it? Like, mm-hmm. you're, you know, your dad's not going to school. Your dad's not playing. Um, you're the one putting on the uniform. And part of, like, the the high school to college level is, like, you're kind of on your own journey now. It's kind of like, hey, I'm I'm away from home now. I need to learn how to do things on my own and grow as a, as not only as a player but as a person. And I think sometimes um, parents have a hard time doing that. And I I went through it in high school. My parents were very very involved, and my dad. Um, <laughs> There were some heated moments. Uh, I remember one time I got fouled in a high school game, and uh, my dad went down on the court and actually almost met the the head coach in the locker room after the game. Now, that's just old school uh, country right there. That's not (laughs) – you won't see that today. That's not how things are resolved. But uh, back in my day and where I'm from, uh, you mess with me, we mess with you. And, you, you know, that's not the right approach, but that's just how we did it. If you had an issue, I'm going to confront you, uh, whether on the court or off the court. And I think sometimes, um, you know, I think that's growing as a person. And we're not saying that 
Walker's doing this. We're just saying like, you know, you see or hear parents getting involved. It's one thing to get involved and it's another thing to stand up for your kid. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hate to see that, but Hey, listen, SHWW, we are huge fans of Walker. We wish him nothing the best. I don't care where he goes. He's a hell of a kid. He's got a bright future. Um, just me personally, if I were to, if Walker's dead set on transferring and wants to leave, where would I like to see him go? I would like him, you know, if he wants playing times, a huge issue. And, uh, you know, I think he could play anywhere in the country, but why not choose like a kind of unknown school that you're comfortable with and just go dominate, take all the shots. Cause UNCG. listen, this guy, this guy is going to be in the league. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's too tall. He has too much, uh, length, athleticism, and the way he moves. If he wants to, you know, really, if this is what he's really upset about, go to like a, you know, I don't know if UNCG or like a, you know, I don't know if Indiana's any good. Um, seems like they just made some coaching changes. They don't know where they're going. But go and be the man somewhere mm-hmm. and grow and get your confidence up because you're going to be a hell of a player. Um, now, we just got the news. Sleep broke it. Dayron Sharp in, to the NBA. Um, we heard rumors about this, and I don't watch all of college basketball, and I definitely know what it takes to get to the NBA player, and I know what teams look for nowadays. And I just felt like Dayron could have used more um, – I felt like he needed another year and to grow, um, to grow, to work on his skill. The NBA is not the old NBA where like, if you have size, you have athleticism and you can run, uh, you're going to be a lottery pick. That's no longer uh, a thing. Now teams are looking for players with skill players that can get out and, you know, guard ball screens, they get switched. That's a new thing in the NBA is where teams are switching. And so he's going to be putting vulnerable pick, you know, situations off the uh, the pick and roll. He's going to have to switch on the guards. And I just feel like his skill, especially from his free throw shooting and kind of his outside jump shot, post, post moves are very raw still. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like he needs to work on his game just a touch. Yeah. And everyone thinks nowadays that you've got to go to the NBA, want it done. You know, I, when I was in school, you know, no one ever talked about Tim Duncan had a hell of a career. He was a four-year player. Yep. J.J. Redick is still in the league. He was a four-year player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a four-year player. Um, and, you know, I was a lottery pick as well. So this whole thing about, like, you know, if you have a chance, you need to go. And when I looked online, I was trying to get a gauge of where people thought Dayron Sharp uh, would end up in the draft. And I think a few sites – I'm not sure what the info he got, but um, – a few sites didn't really have him. Um, I didn't see him in the first or second round. And Dayron, this isn't a knock on Dayron as a person. I think Dayron is a great kid. Definitely seems like that. But when you go to pref- professional sports, um, when you go to the NBA, um, then media doesn't really talk about individual players in college or like, you know, say this kid just can't play. That's where you become like, the media will pick that out. Yeah. You'll be talked about that. Hey, he can't guard a ball screen. You're going to be putting that ball screen every single night. Mm-hmm. You can't score. No one's guarding you. Yeah. And that's where you become vulnerable because teams scout more. That's all you do. Teams scout more. They know your, they know where you want to go. They know how you want to score. 
uh, guys are bigger and athletic and Dayron is big and athletic, but also let's not forget the NBA, um, Dayron, his size isn't necessarily, um, like, I mean, that's not, a, it's I mean, not that unique anymore. Yeah, it's not yeah. that unique. There's a, his size and athleticism, there's about one of those on every team. So he really needs to improve his skill to be effective. We, I mean, this isn't a knock on Dayron. I just think he's got to get a little bit better for his goals. And this is probably something that he already knows. And he did a lot of big-time things for us. He has a high motor, great rebounder. All those things can trans, translate to the NBA. But uh, I'm not quite sure. I would have wanted to see him another year grow as a player. Um, but I understand kids uh, want to leave and make money for sure. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it takes discipline to realize, hey, I think I'll be a better player next year. I think I'll get more touches. I think I'll have more of a chance to show who I really am. And once teams see that, I mm-hmm. think they're going to want me even more, and then I can move up that draft board. That's the thing, man, is I still think he's a fringe first-rounder just because he haven't, you know, teams haven't seen enough. He was on an average team. I think what I, what I was hoping was that Dayron would come back. He'd come back, you know – 10, 15 pounds lighter, more toned, more in, in just great shape, you know, grow into your body a little bit more, have spent an entire summer working on free throws and a mid-range jump shot, and the guy would have just been a monster. He would have had an all-American season, you know, had the potential for that, um, you know, and could have just um, – you know, just dominated the ACC, could have dominated probably, um, you know, anybody they went up against. So, you know, and, and you're, you're right. I mean, when you go to the NBA, you're not you're not studying algebra anymore. You're studying game tape. You know what I mean? And not that many of us were ever studying algebra to begin with, to be fair. But, you know, guys are going to play uh, and, and, and um, you know, study and prepare each night. For, for for players and uh, and especially guys, you know, I, I worry that you just kind of see the same thing happen with Tony Bradley, who's kind of resurfaced a little bit. You saw the same thing kind of happen with uh, Brendan Wright. Like these guys have had careers, but they've largely been, you know, over, you know, they've largely been kind of in the shadows. Like these uh, these guys all had the potential to be great players. Um and maybe, maybe, maybe they had potential to be, and never were going to be great players. I mean, they've done a lot for themselves, made a lot of money, and that's great. Had long careers, and, and there's a lot of there's another side to the NBA that I think a lot of people don't realize, which is you know if you get in there, and, and you can probably speak to this, you get some longevity. There's benefits that come to to being in the league for a certain amount of time, you know, with pensions and those sorts of things. Like everybody talks about chasing the big money and the contract and this, that, and the other, and you know, whatever. That's all good and well, but there is, I mean, this is a job that does have a shelf life and so in some you know some regards like look I'm never gonna tell as, as as shitty as the NCAA treats basketball players and football players I'm never gonna tell these guys no matter how much it hurts my feelings that they shouldn't take the opportunity whenever they feel like it to go pro uh I don't think as a fan that day I think Dayron Sharps uh could have could have far outrun his his you know just just his value could have gone through the roof but you got the same thing when we had James Michael McAdoo. He was a projected number two pick, stayed an extra year, and just fell into oblivion, mm-hmm. right? So it could go either way. And you know what happens if if there's turmoil in the team or what have you, man? Maybe you know maybe it goes the opposite direction. But as a fan, you hate losing both of those guys. We're on the edge of our seats about Love. We're on the edge of our seat about Armando. We have no idea what Garrison's going to do. It's just a tough time for us, man, because we don't have a lot. Um, you know, on the books in terms of recruits right now. So, but 
you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So if I'm advising Tar Heel fans out there, just chill out a little bit and uh, give it a couple weeks, maybe it'll die down. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, you were covering uh, the basketball team for the Daily Tar Heel when uh, Brandon Wright was um, playing. And, you know, he was my teammate. And Brandon Wright, to me, he had uh, a much better year um, than any of these guys leaving yeah. early. Brandon Wright, he was, he was ACC tournament MVP. Yep, and uh, he was a he was a hell of a college player. Uh, well, he did leave early, but also he was always one of those top five guys. And so, to me, when you're a top five draft pick or top ten, I'll go top just lottery. Yeah. We'll say lottery. Yeah, you've cemented a spot. You're going to be a lottery pick. Go. Yeah, and that's my personal. That opinion. money's guaranteed in the lottery, isn't it? For yeah, three first years? rounds. No, first round. I think it's two years, two years. and you have a. Uh, team option, team, team option. Uh, but you know, first round now the money's getting, uh, you know, money's getting pretty good, but if you're a lottery pick, I always say, if if you think you're a lottery pick and you're for sure going to be a top 14, um, it's hard to make the case to stay in college, especially if the kid, um, you know, has had a good season, you won the tournament, but uh, I definitely understand uh, why kids are leaving. But you know, for me, I just felt like Dayron could have could have gained a little bit more by staying. And um, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Now we're going to talk about Caleb Love uh, rumors uh, that he may be. You know, there's all types of rumors. We're just going through the DMs and what you guys are asking us. What do you think, Caleb? You think he's staying or going? I would have bet the house that he's not going anywhere until his dad started tweeting. Um, yeah, I, I, dude, I don't know. Uh, be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I think he should stay. Uh, he was atrocious at shooting from the floor this year. Uh, like what? Less than 23% from three, less than 32 from the floor. Not that great of a free throw shooter. Um, I mean, dude, his bread and butter is going to be, uh, you got to have to shoot in the NBA. Uh, she, the press says Caleb stays. So guys just take that one to the bank. Uh, go ahead and take your Caleb love Jersey and get rid of it. Cause if, if she says he's staying, he's, uh, he's, he's definitely out of here. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully she nails one because we could use some warm bodies on our roster next year. Yeah. So listen, uh, I want to put this statement out there first. I have no information, no inside information, I still I'm at the Dean Dome. I work out uh, occasionally there. Um, I haven't, and I'm very close with a lot of people in the program. I don't push for any inside information for a podcast yet, but I have no information personally. I think there's a chance Caleb could try to test the waters. I'm not sure what the rules are now, whether you can test or not. I think he tests uh, the waters, and I say that because he was such a highly recruited recruit. And there was a lot of buzz around he could be a one and done. And I think he didn't quite display the talent that he had on the court this year. I think Caleb's a super talented, and I think his potential is crazy. Um, really good guy. I really, really uh, like him. And I think he is going to be an NBA player now. Um, whether he stays, I don't know. My gut says he may test, he may leave. Um and I think he's one of those players that could go to workouts. And I think I think a team might fall in love with him 
uh, in the first round. I think he could surprise people. He definitely has athleticism there. He definitely had some breakout games. And, you know, we just missed a little bit of consistency and we missed a little bit of like, you know, the ability to, you know, just bring it every single night. And sometimes I felt like he was complacent, but I think Caleb's got a lot of potential and, you know, let's not forget this team didn't really COVID issues. They didn't have the practices or the pickup or the summers that a lot of, a lot of guys had. So there was a big learning curve, and Coach Williams' system is an up-and-down, up-and-down style. Run you, score you, run you, run you. Did I think they played like Coach Williams' system? Absolutely not. I thought they were slow and methodical at times, and I think a big part of that was because they didn't have the practices or they didn't have the summer that a lot of teams had because of COVID. And I think if that would have happened, I think Caleb would have had a whole different year. So – I'm not sure whether Caleb goes or not. My hunch, my gut, I think he leaves um, for the NBA. We'll see. Uh, the next person that we have on the board is Armando. What do you think, Sleep? Gosh, he's another one, man. Like, he's got to stay. Uh, there's no – Armando, I'll worry about transfer at this point. You know, again, I'm, maybe I'm buying too much into what's being said. But, uh, but one thing before I even get to Armando that we've talked about before is, you know, this whole uh, idea of these guys are playing in empty gyms. You know, it doesn't even seem like it because they do such a good job producing it on TV and everything. But I still think that, you know, think about your college experience and how tough it is. So you got all this drama going on. Everybody's playing by the same rules. So this is no excuse for for the Tar Heels to have all this stuff, you know, kind of coming outside of the locker room. But, um, you know, you've got this whole thing where there's like no interaction. You know, you're, you're on campus. You're traveling with the team. There's nobody at the games. There's nobody at the bars, you know, after the games. You don't get that sort of like – like I remember even just being around when there was a big game, we'd win. And then like part of the fun of it being in college is like you're out after the game and the whole world is just – you know, revolving around us, right? Like we're having a blast and those things matter, you know, to your, 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 to your, your college experience beyond. And that, you know, that, that, that pass has got to pass its way on, um, you know, to the players. It's got to be a tough sort of headspace to play in a year like this. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about these big games, we got two Duke games. We beat Duke twice and it was nothing like, I mean, these kids didn't get to, you know, reap the benefit of those wins. I mean, you can talk about Franklin street fine, but like, dude, you can speak to it. Like you beat, beat Duke period. Like it's a big deal. Imagine just beating them. Like you have a pickup game, you know, you beat them and, and nobody's there to see it kind of. Um, so I still think that that has a lot to do with, um, especially these young guys, you know, it's, you know, they've Armando got to play in front of some folks. Garrison, of course, is a senior. Um, but, you know, these – that's just a weird dynamic that you have to consider, I think, that, you know, uh, it's, it's probably took its toll on these kids mentally. And, you know, I can't even begin to think about, you know, what that that must be like. And, and for Armando, you know, I think – here's my fear with him is he's good enough. Uh, I, I don't think Armando should have been – I think he was the best player on our team this year. Uh, and I don't think he should have been. I think he should have been fourth or fifth. You know, uh, he's a good player. He's a great player. And I think if our team lived up to his potential, he would have been a hell of a fourth or fifth player with a great outlook on going playing overseas or something like that. Um, but I fear now that he probably says, 
holy shit, now I'm about to get stuck on an island. Walker's gone. Dayron's gone. Caleb's doing whatever. Like, where, you know, where does that leave me? So it, it could make you the star at UNC, but his he was the star, so to speak, this year. And, you know, his gauge has got to be off after you know what I was just talking about. Like, you know, he, these guys didn't get the tangible benefits of the highs of the season. So like everything you lose, it just sucks. Cause you, you know, you play like shit and you lose and whatever. But then when you win, it's like, you don't get sort of that, um, that existential sort of benefit that comes along with winning of, you know, just riding that. And you saw it a lot. I mean, we would play and beat the hell out of somebody and turn around the next game and just act like we didn't know how to dribble. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I worry about all of them uh, like a true fan does. But, you know, hey, listen, if 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 love Armando and stay, um, you know, I think we got some pieces and some guys we're going to talk about later that have kind of been forgotten, you know, are really going to get a chance to step up and, 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 and get a little spotlight. Yeah, so I'll start with Armando. Um, I think Armando comes back, and I know a lot of people think that he's going to, you know – Maybe Tesla Waters for the NBA. Maybe, maybe. But ultimately, when it's all said and done, I think he comes back. Uh, Armando definitely has been our most consistent player. And he's definitely, I think he's also our most improved player. And Armando, one thing I really respected about Armando, and I really think he has grown in this area, is he has found a consistency of bringing it every single night. He got double doubles and he was our best post player. And also he showed passion at times. And I really, really do think as much as he proved from last year to this year, that if he improves like that from this year to next year, he's going to be a hell of a player. And I will say Armando, he's, he, not great size, decent size. Um, maybe I'm not sure six nine or ish. Give her probably give probably six ten. Um, so he had the ability to knock down that free throw line and just a little bit farther back mm-hmm. jump shot. That's so important in the Coach Williams system. Better than any other big. And that's one growth that I saw. And also his ability to finish through contact and be physical this year is so much better than his freshman year. His freshman year, there was times when he'd get nicked, nagged, and, you know, would fall down, get hurt. But this year he played through that. He had and once and he played well. And he looked like he really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to seeing Armando hopefully come back and grow as a player because I think he's made strides, and I think he can really, really improve. And now we're going to talk about one other, and we've had a lot of questions about this. We don't dance around any questions here at SHWW. We confront them, good, bad, cringeworthy, whatever. We confront the question. Garrison. Now, this is a difficult one because Garrison had more expectations before the season than any player. And now the season is over, I don't think – well, I know. Garrison didn't meet those expectations. And I think Garrison, if he's being honest with himself, I think he would agree. And I'm not sure what got to Garrison, if it was COVID and dealing or playing through all this stuff. But Garrison just didn't seem like himself this whole year. And I, I was I felt bad for him. And the reason I felt bad for him is because when you receive this um, 
this type of hype before the season. Um, young players can put unrealistic expectations on themselves. And it just seems like when you play your best, it's just not good enough. Mm-hmm. You want to get a little bit better. No matter what you do, it's just not good enough. And I felt like uh, Garrison might have been going for a home run every single game. And I felt like he really put too much pressure on himself instead of losing himself in the game and getting involved and just blocking everybody out. And I think if I think if Garrison were to totally just ignore everybody and stay within the team, I felt like he could have really helped us. But I felt like he was, you know, so determined to try to do so much all at once that uh, it really affected the way he was playing. And, you know, sometimes I thought his, his, his shot selection could have been a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, his, his improvement from this year to last year wasn't as good as I thought. Um, And I felt like at times, you know, when you start getting on the, when you start, when you get a scouting report, um, teams know what you want to do. Okay. So you must improve your game. Okay. And I felt like every, everything that Garrison was scoring, it wasn't an easy bucket. And I feel like when you get that, you know, when you want to improve your scoring and things like that, do things, run the court harder, get Mm -hmm. better ceiling position, get offensive rebounds. But I, I really felt like he could have improved in, getting uh, a better shot selection and not selling for a lot of long twos or contested twos. And I felt like he was almost like, I can shoot this shot. I can shoot this shot. Yeah. Instead of, you know, going with your bread and butter down low, running the court, getting offensive rebounds, doing all the little things to help your team. And I think one sign, one thing, and I've talked about this on the pod, is a lot of young kids get caught up in scoring, and they let that scoring dictate the way they're going to play the rest of the game. Scoring is such a small part of the game. Listen, you can have a positive impact on your team, getting rebounds, making plays, okay, running the court hard, encouraging your teammates. And all that has an effect on the game. And I just felt like I felt like Garrison had put so much pressure on himself that I truly don't think he he was himself this year. And I think those expectations uh, really played a factor. And you could tell in his body language language when things went bad. Uh, I just felt bad for Garrison. But uh, I don't think Garrison, you know, I don't think he comes back. I think he may transfer. Um just my gut uh, and try to play an extra senior year somewhere. I've heard rumors that it could be Mississippi State. I'm not sure. Sleep, what you think? Yeah, I mean, Garrison is a guy, it's hard to believe that he was a preseason ACC player of the year. I mean, I would, I would love to know the last time someone was a preseason conference player of the year that didn't even make honorable mention, that didn't get hurt. You know, um, and, you know, you kind of saw it. I think it was the Duke game that was senior night and he had a good game and you could see in his face. It was like just relief and you felt good for him because it's like, finally, man, this guy's had this monkey on his back. I mean, he shot like 46% this year from the floor, I think. I yeah. mean, a guy like Garrison should be shooting 56%. Um, yeah, and it, and it kind of goes, we've talked also before about, you know, how in the summer – you know, some of these guys were great pickup game players and they just didn't, you know, play well in 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 the game. And I almost think that maybe it's sort of the 
the inverse for a guy like Garrison. He progressed and progressed and progressed. And then when you start playing pickup games, he regressed, you know? So again, I'm, I'm not making any excuses because, you know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, it's just, I didn't make the world this way, but you know, he seemed to, uh, you know, thrive last year. I mean, we had a, our team was bad last year and he was great. And, um, you know, so he's the guy that like this, the one, the one way I would sum up Armando, he's the guy you could count on every night. And that's who Garrison was for us last year, uh, on a bad team. So like everybody's dependent on Garrison and he shows up. And then this time when the expectation is there, you know, he doesn't, and, and it's tough to say, you know, you know, your mental fortitude at that age or whatever. I mean, who knows, but, uh, yeah, we would have loved to see him, um, you know, continue to progress and he might've been in an entirely different position. I, you know, I'm 50, 50 on him. Like, you know, if he leaves, I, I'll always, anybody that's given as much to the school, uh, you know, as he has and time and effort and, you know, um, production. Hey man, you got to wish these guys well. Uh, if he came back, I, you know, I wouldn't be upset about it. Uh, I think some people are ready to see him go. Uh, I, I think he probably feels that. And, and kind of like what you were saying about uh, about Walker, you know, I think I could see him going somewhere and, and having that fifth year at a, at a sort of mid to high major somewhere and, uh, you know, find a role on a really good team. And I guess if I were him, that's probably what I'd be looking for is where can I go? Mm-hmm. But I feel comfortable that, you know, is, is a good team. Maybe I don't want to be the guy because uh, I know what that's like now and um, and get in and, and uh, you know, Maybe get yourself a shot. I mean, he seems like the type of player that has the sort of body, the game. You know, like I don't, I don't know about the talent, but he seems like he could play overseas somewhere. You know, it doesn't have to be you know some great league or something. But I mean, these guys like can make a living playing basketball for a long time. And you know, um, I hope he finds what he's looking for, man, because he seems like a great dude mm-hmm. and just had a bad year. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree with that. Um, so we'll talk about next year. Um, you said it, your guy, um, I'll let you start this one off. What do you think about next year and kind of the key players? Yeah, I think, I think the big one is, is the face of our team now seems to be Kerwin Walton. Uh, I think he was the, the brightest spot we had this year, that guy in that interview after, uh, maybe it was the first Duke win, you know, it was just the stuff like you just dream about, man. This is a guy who's like proud to play here, seems to be all in on, on anything he's asked to do. I bet he's a good student. <laughs> I have no idea, but he just seems like a great guy, an ambassador for, for, for the UNC brand. And he's a hell of a player. And he's just sort of like a diamond in the rough almost. Uh, you know, I, 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 those expectations that were on Garrison, I mean, I'm not saying Kerwin Walton's going to be the ACC player of the year by any means. I am saying that he's going to be uh, relied upon heavily to produce next year. Uh, I hope R.J. Davis, you know, takes a step forward. He was, to me, I guess, a little bit of a disappointment. There was a lot of hype surrounding him that, you know, I feel like he didn't necessarily live up to. But there's a lot of reasons why I feel like several players didn't live up to the hype. Um, you know, uh, we're looking pretty thin right now. We got a couple recruits coming in, you know, uh, out of North Carolina. So we, we, we've – We've done our job and 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 recruited our backyard, but my fear next year is depth uh, versus you know talent. I mean, talent is one thing, but you know, are we going to have the guys to 
you know, rotate in, um, you know, late in the game. I'm, I'm concerned is I'm probably more concerned right now about next season than I ever have been, um, that I can remember. Yeah. And I understand where you're coming from. Um, but as we look at next year, uh, honestly, I think RJ Davis is going to have a hell of a year. As long as he doesn't transfer fingers crossed, you never know. Uh, I've seen RJ, uh, Davis practice. Uh, he's had some good games, good minutes. I think he comes in. I think he's going to be a hell of a player for us next year. Obviously you said it, Kerwin Walton, uh, just seems like he was one of those players that came out, was very consistent, a diamond in the rough, and really appreciated everything he got. And so as a UNC fan, you know, not highly recruited, come, you know, comes out, has a productive season. That's our bright spot. So, you know, both of those guys have the ability to knock down outside jump shots, um, provide some, you know, outside shooting, which historically in the past few years hasn't been great for us. And so that's something that we need. We bring Armando back in that mix. And then I think Armando, um, if he improves like he did from uh, this previous year, I think he's going to be a hell of a player. So those three right there could be a hell of a core uh, for next year. If Caleb Love comes back and wants to prove more, he grows as a player, has another year with Coach Williams, really gets that system down develops, you know, learns how to run, learns how to get easy buckets, becomes a lockdown defender, mm-hmm. and really gets a fire in them. I think we're going to be a hell of a team. Now, that's looking at the bright spot. Let's just say, okay, Armando gone, Caleb gone, R.J. Davis, Kerwin Walton. Okay, then we're going to see a team. Um, maybe this is a team that UNC fans grow to love. Not a lot of expectations. Okay, when I came in as a freshman – not a ton of expectations. We went out and we fought every mm-hmm. single game. UNC fans love that. Maybe we'll see a team next year not as talented, not as highly recruited, but guys that want to come out and are hungry and yeah. hungry to win and come out and surprise a lot of UNC fans. Yeah. Let's not get too discouraged. We're, we're UNC. We have, to me, the best coach in college, Coach Williams. And, you know, one thing he's going to do, he's going to improve – uh, he's going to learn how to, you know, get the best from his team, even though this year we're a little disappointed and we're sitting here whenever you lose like that in the first round, everything negative becomes exacerbated yeah. Yeah. and we're all just sitting here. Exacerbated. Like, yeah. It's, it it's just uh, exacerbated. <laughs> yeah, we're just sitting here and we're pinpointing all the negative things and it just gets blown out of proportion. Guys, we're going to be good next well, year. And you mentioned too before. Uh, I think before the pod started, how many how many players are in the transfer system right now too? And that's another big thing. Portal, I mean, eight hundred apparently. Yeah. So you know you got to think we're in a strong position. Uh, you know to land some some solid transfers. I mean, that Cam Johnson is like one of the best <laughs> best transfer stories I've ever seen. I mean, the guy was was phenomenal. Um, so. Yeah, I think um, – yeah, we got – I mean, yeah, it's it's way too early. This is like one of Hill, those uh, – Hill, yeah, said recruit more dogs, not cats. I'm with you, dude. I like that. I'm that's with that's you, good. Dude. Maybe we'll get a bunch of – you know, maybe we'll get a bunch. Cynthia and, also called that uh, Kerwin apparently was all academic ACC. Great call by Cynthia. Also great call by the Sleep Dog for uh, acknowledging that dude's smart, uh, kind of like Sleep Dog. So – actually kind of not like Sleep Dog. 
Anyway, all right. So, you know, heels are, we beat that one into the ground. In case any of you are just joining us, you know, we're, uh, we're really trying to learn how to pivot here without the bachelor to fall back on as a crutch. Uh, bachelorette coming down the, coming down the pipe soon. The tournament, we'll cover a little bit of that before we get out of here. Just bonkers. I mean, brackets just look like shit. We forgot to even make one and you don't, you wouldn't have won anyway. We would have lost every game. Uh, yeah, dude, it's, uh, it's been crazy. I know you want to talk a little bit about how, you know, how we open things up against Wisconsin too. Yeah. So I was there in person. I saw it live guys and I'm not sure how it looked on TV, but if it looked anything like it did in the stadium, it was bad and it was really bad. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't deserve to win games like this. Uh, you come out and you bring that type of effort and, you know, to me, it's just like the basketball gods will not will not reward uh, teams that come out like that, period. And Wisconsin, they came out and they played really well, and we, we lost. And we had um, a lot of errors, and I felt like our shot selection wasn't the greatest, and we just kind of came out lack, lackadaisical. And, um, yeah, it was a little frustrating to watch, and they deserved the win. And that's what happens when you show up in the tournament like that. Maybe our guys um, – we're a little young and they couldn't grasp uh, how hard teams play in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you don't bring in the tournament, you're getting you're getting sit home. I don't care how talented you are, especially this year with COVID. Anybody can beat anybody, and you know it just it just didn't look good. And uh, I thought Wisconsin did a hell of a job, but also we made them look like they did a hell of a job. Well, here's what I thought. I thought we looked like shit. I thought we had no chance of winning the game, pretty much from the tip. But then I saw Baylor play Wisconsin, and I was like, we were going to lose anyway. That was the silver lining for me. I mean, Baylor looked outstanding against mm-hmm. Wisconsin. And you, you know who Baylor reminded me of? They reminded me of the Tar Heels, when the Tar Heels play at their best. They were attacking the rim. They were running. You know, they're playing a, a half-court offense. Like, I mean, they look like an NBA team out there. Every time they would get the ball at the free throw line, they had two options. They got a guy going, uh, you know, they got a pick and roll. They run that thing to perfection. You either guard the lob and get dunked on or you guard the ball. And it is like every single time down the court, these guys were athletic. They were the, on defense. They were impenetrable. And I hadn't seen Baylor all year. Like it was silly to think that we were ever going to have a chance against them. If I'm being honest, um, to me, after seeing the teams I've seen, and I've probably watched, I don't know, 20, 30% of the games, you know, Baylor to me, I'd like to see somebody beat them. You know, it comes down, I think, to Gonzaga and Baylor at this point. And, I, dude, Baylor impressed the I'm going to disagree with you on that. I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you that, on that. That Gonzaga gets there? I don't think, I think they lose to USC. Yeah, you were telling me about USC. Uh, I haven't seen USC play. I do know that the, the, that kid from the uh, – for those of you that have seen uh, – what the hell is that thing called? Last Chance U with the community college. One of the kids went to USC, Southern Cal. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that they're a good team. So I hate Gonzaga, man. Yeah, I'm not a bit, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I was telling somebody, I don't like Gonzaga. They seem nice enough. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't have I don't anything like against them. them. I just hate I don't them. Like it's weird. Them. And I don't know what it is. Um They've had a lot of success. Um, obviously, they're an older team, so COVID um, with all got this like ponytails and shit. Still. Unpredictability of the tournament. Uh, I feel like you know they're best suited for this. Looking at the bracket, and I'll just go through it. First of all, Big Ten, what a joke! Um, what a joke! 
And don't give me the, oh, we were so talented that we beat each other up during the season BS. I'm sick of that. I mean, that's what they said for the Big East. And the Big Ten, listen, see ya. And I said it on here on the podcast. I was like, we'll see where they fall during come tournament time mm-hmm. when the, you know, when the pressure Old gets going. called it. Yeah, when the pressure is on, let's see what they do. And all these experts, somebody from the Big Ten is going to win it. I bought into it. I looked at Illinois, and I was like, man, Illinois is good. They're talented, <clears throat> all this stuff. Illinois got beat by Loyola Chicago. Yeah. And, you know, what a uh, – you know, everyone said ACC had a down year. Okay, we're – you know, we're pretty much – Florida State's in it. Um is Syracuse still in it? I yeah, think Syracuse I think so. is still in it. So, Breaks I mean, I mean hey, ACC down here, they're not any good. Um, hey, we have we have teams standing. You guys, Big Ten, Dunsky, except for Michigan. And if you ask me who's going to win, who's Michigan going to play? Um, I'm staring at a bracket that has all the teams from the first round, <laughs> and I'm like – Really going through it, trying to find there they are. So Michigan plays Florida State. This Florida is going to be State. a great one. Yep, I'm I'm going Florida State. I'm going. I'm I'm thinking Florida State's going to beat them. Dude, you said early. You said in the ACC tournament that that Florida State has what it takes to win it all, and and they're a team I I definitely think will be in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I saw them play UNCG. Now UNCG is an underrated team. They have one of the best guards, and um, you know the big kid. They have size, athleticism, and it looks like they're getting consistent, you know, play from everybody now. Um, this polite guy just went off for twenty-ish last game, and so I think they're talented. I th- I have them. So I think it's going to be. Um, I think what will happen on the West. I think Gonzaga will end up playing. Um, USC. I think USC wins that, and I think Florida State will end up playing. Um, let me see here, Alabama, and I think Florida State will win. So we have Gonzaga, Florida State, two of the my final four picks. I think Baylor comes out of the South. Uh, Oral Roberts, who do they have? Arkansas, and then Baylor has Villanova. This Baylor Villanova game is going to be an interesting matchup. I think Villanova is good, and I really like Baylor. Baylor plays hard. Um, I could see Villanova winning that, but I think I'm pretty sure Baylor will win that. And if Baylor wins that, I think they come out of the South. Whoever wins that game is coming out of the South, in my opinion. And as I look at the Midwest, uh, Loyola Chicago, um, they're going to be playing – who are they playing – Oregon State, mm, I really don't know much about either one. And that's probably my least appealing game out of this whole bracket, uh, partly because <clears> – I was watching Will Bond. I was watching part of the interruption yesterday. You know, Will Bond's from Chicago. Yeah, what was he And he saying? basically was saying that Loyola Chicago should have been a much higher seed. They're a great team this year. He thought they should have been like a four seed. Um, so, you know, uh, they're the ones that – um, was that them? No. Who the hell was the other one? Was it Loyola? Yeah, it was Loyola yeah, Chicago. Loyola, yeah, Chicago. Yeah, Illinois. Yeah. And uh, he was the one talking about how – I don't know. So that, that intrigues me. I, I, I like Will Bond. I like, I like that show, Kornheiser and Will Bond, a lot. And, uh, you know, I know that that he's really plugged into that area. So, you know, record 24-4. and four, I think they got, you know, obviously under um, – to get much credit, I'm sure, for the wins that they had given wherever the hell Con probably play in the 
damn Saxophone Walmart District Conference. Uh, but you know, still, I mean, I think they 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 beat Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech came in hot, and then they turned around and whipped the shit out of Illinois. And I, I mean, I thought Illinois was going to win it all, but you know, changed my mind. Yeah, I don't so, think they're going to win it all now. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting you say that because on the way here, they were talking about how Loyola Chicago was actually underseeded, so they were they didn't get the seed that they thought they should have. They deserved, and they were upset about it, and they mm-hmm. voiced it before the tournament. Now they're proving people wrong. Yeah. And once again, these experts, they're real experts at their job. <laughs> Isn't uh, that Sister Mary's team or whatever? Yeah. What, Mother Teresa's team? Yeah, whatever team. she is. You know, they got God on. It's going to be yeah. hard for them to lose with God. Um, but, um, yeah, she's like 101 now. I'm um, a mask of Kimberly. I, uh, <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, Nova is not beating Baylor. Old big dog going to miss that one. Um I said Baylor will – I think Baylor will win, but I think Velanova is like – they had this power forward. I can't think of his name. He had like 26, 6, and 6. I think he's super talented. Yeah. Very skilled, modern kind of player, and uh, I think he's a very good player. What's and our I coach, think, Jay Wright? Yeah, Jay yeah, Wright. He's very coach, experienced. Man. And I, like I think Velanova, you know, one of these Gonzaga teams where the players are staying longer now and yep. they're really doing really well in the tournament. So uh, more experience. Um Great coach. I could see the upset happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but uh, so we look at the Midwest. So we have Houston and Syracuse. Boy, oh, boy, Syracuse is a boring team. They've always been boring. But uh, how in the hell are they still And in if the you've ever God. listened to Beheim talk, oh, there's one thing more boring than the zone, and that's him talk. Um yeah, I, I think Houston beats him. Uh, but with that said, um, yeah, I don't know. That zone presents some problems, and I'm not sure. Yeah, Houston... I mean that's the thing. The zone you can show up, man. If you ain't shooting, you're gonna lose. Uh, you run a you run a pretty solid chance of losing. Uh, or you show up, and if you are shooting, you can forget it, as Virginia found out in their all uh, what you call it. They're 16 upset. Yeah, but so yeah. the best player is out for Nova. Um, oh. So that that yeah, I just we just got Masca that on the Kimberly, comments. Like you trying to come on? I mean, they <laughs> I know, trying to actually, take I know them. Uh, well, know their family. They're good people. Well, they definitely but, uh, uh, they've been hitting us with the the hard hitting facts here the last five minutes. Yeah, so that uh, uh, if he's out, I definitely see Baylor moving. So um, problem solved. So I see Houston um, coming out of the Midwest. Uh, they will end up playing. Um, let's see here. Uh, Loyola, Chicago. Who the hell are they playing? Um, Oregon State. So I could see Loyola, Chicago um, yep. versus Houston, which would be a highly disappointing um, Elite Eight game. Yep. I like Houston. I think they're athletic. I think they run. Um, or maybe you could see Loyola, a team like Loyola, Chicago getting, a, you know, getting some run and just being fun to watch, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. And they I don't just get know. I, I'm not too Baylor. excited about Loyola Chicago. I don't um, know. I didn't watch any of it. I just like uh Yeah. So I got Houston, Baylor, uh, Florida State, and um who did I say? Um USC and Florida State. I think USC will play Baylor for the national championship. And I'm going USC to win the whole thing. Okay. I, I I've only seen them play one game and I loved them. They're my favorite. <laughs> Well, I've only seen Baylor win play one game, and uh, I kind of love them too. I think th- those dudes are like monsters, man. They were they were incredible to watch that game against Wisconsin. But you know, it's all about momentum, man. You get hot at the right time in the NCAA tournament, you can go a long way. And uh, 
those dudes look look strong. I have no idea. That's where I'm going to go with it. Um, I didn't even fill out a bracket. Uh, <laughs> I might might start one now that all the dust is settled. Um, you know, but uh, who knows? Probably won't do that either. Um, anything else on the tournament, Big Hawk? I mean, it, I mean, this has been the craziest tournament ever. Yeah, and you know, as much as we ragged NCA. We'll give them a little credit for providing this and getting this season done the way they did. I, w- I know it was difficult, but I really think having the teams in ND, providing them with a little bit of a bubble and uh, giving them testing, I think they've done a good job. And as fans, uh, you know, I'm glad to see that we get to see another tournament. And I know this has been a tough year, um, but it's pre- provided an unpredictability yeah, from a fan a standpoint that we really like. And, yeah. um yeah, job well done on that. Uh, figure out the refing situation. God. Uh, you know, figure that out. And uh, then maybe you'll get the credit you deserve. I don't think you'll ever do that because I think you're a pulley. <clears throat> I've said before, I think you're a pulley run entity. Uh, the way you guys handled the women's weight room is an absolute God. joke. Uh, and the also, it's not how they handled the weight room. It's the apology that they provided that really pissed me off. You know, who who is this CEO? I won't call him by his name. I think it's Mark Emmer. Emmer. Yeah. yeah. Hey, come out and own your mistake. God bless you. Say, hey, that was a mistake. We will fix it immediately. Yeah. Instead, send someone else down there to do it for you. What a joke you are. And uh, we deserve better. The NCA deserves better. As, as, as you know, a, you know, somebody that provides like leadership to student athletes and that's what you want to do and you don't come out and apologize. It's the same thing as with the refs. Hey, it's not my mistake. You guys figure it out. What do you do? I want to know what he does because clearly he doesn't, he's not involved. Not a problem solver. Yeah. He doesn't figure things out, but the weight room is an absolute joke. Um, so yeah, that's that's a tough uh, that's a tough look, and it's uh, you know the the times that we live in, you know, you're trying to push forward, you know, uh, the women's rights thing, which is you know what a you know what a just a good cause, right? Obviously, and just such a, I mean, it's such a blatant slap in the face to female athletes, and just. It just shows you. I mean, that stuff; those gaps still exist, no matter what you think. That you know that I, that I it, it, women's basketball is never gonna like be something I watch or that like I cross paths with a whole lot. But um, you know, it does show like blatantly the sort of disconnect between men's and women's sports. And and yeah, the NCAA is trying to run this whole student athlete thing. And <laughs> buddy, that's just So yeah. Hill yeah ask who's going to be banging out uh bench press this time of year. Listen, um Well clearly not the women because they got any weights, dude. <laughs> Listen, I, I I would have never been a big bench presser and uh you know I have some sh- shoulder issues but I'll tell you what, I bang out some squats this time of year. Mm-hmm. It's a good overall body exercise. At least, you know, a few days before the game, you come out there and, you know, when my back gets a hurting or little things start taking, I do light squats and, uh, you know, some squats and different things like that. And just to put out some dumbbells, that was a joke. Yeah, I don't think <clears> they were trying to have a deadlift max competition in there or anything like that. But, I mean, damn, when you're in the middle of the season, you got to stay uh, – you know, you got to stay – uh, you know, mobile and you're in a bubble, right? So like you play mm-hmm. a game and then it's seven days before you play five or days or something before you play another one. Like, you know, you just, 
as an athlete, you want to stay conditioned. You want to, to me at least, <laughs> this is laughable that I ever bring up my own uh, athletic career because it was a joke in itself. But, you know, he I said, was, it was a routine thing. You he know? said, he'll yes, it's not what he, I was implying. Um, Fair. Yeah, so maybe we took it out. But I will say the weightlifting at this point of the year is kind of put back because, you know, players are banged up. They're trying to do some rehab mm-hmm. and recover. Um, but I will say this. Uh, for those players that don't play much, they're in there lifting and getting their lifts in. And, you know, it just – also, you know, it's more of like – it's not the fact that um, players are lifting. I think the more thing is like the message that it yeah, sends. Yeah, here's, here's my thing is like is uh, – is the, is, so if that's the if that's the logic, was that the, is that what the male the men's weight room looked like? Uh, dumbbell tree? No, <laughs> you uh, know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. Hey, Hill, yeah, yeah. Uh, resting your body is super important. I'll touch on this. Uh, it's super important, uh, especially during late in the season. You want to be at your your peak uh, performance, and rest and recovery is super important. But I will say this: um, I, there's an aspect of like. Uh, you got to recover, recover. I think, you know, just getting rest and also maintaining your strength is somewhat important to me. I was always a lift guy. Um, I got my lifts in late in the year, playoffs, um, tournament, whenever. Um, I think, I still think it's super important. There's a Um, lot of athletes that lift after the game. Yeah. Um, you know, just to, to condition themselves and, and, and I mean, dude, you're running up and down a court for 40 minutes, male, female, black, white polka dot cat dog you know whatever i mean it takes a a a level of conditioning that old sleep dog ain't probably ever seen um so again i'm with you man i think it's more about the look it's just like uh point blank if a male athlete wanted to go lift he could go lift if a female athlete wanted to go lift she couldn't and that's really i think what um uh that's just what I think of the situation. Yeah, I it's, totally it's, agree It's with a you. bad look. So, um, yeah, man, I think that wraps up our tournament coverage. We got some DMs to get into. I mean, we've got great stream of folks here uh, on Instagram Live. Um, so if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, you follow us on Sleephawk Worldwide. And then whenever we do this from the freaking HQ, the pounder, uh, you know, you can check us out. You can sit here and just watch us stare at the whiteboard, each other, the phone screen, uh, the computer, as we sort of mindlessly wander off about whatever topics uh, bridge the gap between Bachelor and Bachelorette. So we actually got Cam's bracket. We're going to have him come on here in a minute uh, once we get to him, uh, former UNC quarterback. Cam? Oh, Cam. Ah, Cam yeah, Sexton. Wow. He played here way Man, a long he's been time a ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, way back in the day. Yeah. Um, he actually beat Notre Dame as a quarterback, sure but uh, um, so um, I think we covered everything in the DMs. Also, you guys hit us up. Um, what I want to get into is also um, we have a whiskey collection. I know yeah. one of our listeners sent me a text message and said, "Show me a picture of their whiskey collection." That doesn't even touch the surface of what me and Sleep Dogs <laughs> have in our uh, in our whiskey cabinets. Oh boy. Whiskey is something that me and uh, sleep are passionate about and uh, sleep got his hands on some pappy. <clears throat> yep. It's 12 year. So we might break that down. And is pappy worth a name? Is it worth, is a chaos worth the whiskey? 
is a great question. We want to cover whiskey on here. Uh, let us know what whiskeys you want us to break down. If it's just like something readily available or you want us to bring out some super exclusive stuff. Yeah, don't forget. That you guys haven't heard of or yeah, haven't seen. If you want to send some Pappy over here for a review, like you just let us know because we're the two guys that do it. Um, we have uh, – like, see, the problem I've got going on right now is Big Hawk really feels like he's on his A game in the afternoon. And I really would have no problem sitting here drinking in the afternoon were it not for the fact that now we are live and everyone can see me drinking in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Probably not the best look. Um, all jokes aside, uh, definitely want to get into it. We've got a couple of folks that we've talked about that we want to bring on the show. We really need to start getting some guests on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a couple of whiskey kind of suitors, as they say in uh, England. Um, and, uh, or <laughs> and we'll try to get some of those on here and, and break it down. But, yeah, seriously, you got some um, some stuff that you want. Uh, Ola, yeah, see – Mr. Skyflyer, a.k.a. She the Prez, posts on here, drank Eagle Rare last pod. You left out the, uh, I guess that's a pronoun, which is Sleep Dogs Eagle Rare <laughs> last pod. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, whiskey, if you got anything to t- – hey, you can teach me. I mean, the Big Hog, you'd be surprised. I mean, this guy knows his whiskey. I actually got a – you know, we both over the weekend, we got some exclusive bottles. Um I actually got my hands on a 2018 Angels Envy Cast Strength. Um, you did not tell me this, dude. I did not tell him. Mm. It's super rare. Um, 2018 was a special year for Angels Envy. Angels Envy is like a special whiskey to me. Uh, the Angels Envy Rye, to me, is one of my favorite whiskeys. And it's it's kind of readily available, I think, in most places. And you can find it. But... That to me is definitely a, it's a top five because it's so special to me. But I'm a big fan of Angel's Envy, and uh, I actually had a chance to go to their distillery over the weekend in Louisville. Great time! But we'll cover our our whiskeys here um, in the future and see what you guys think. But hit us up if you guys want to see. Um, no, she we're not doing brownies. <laughs> yeah, uh, this guy. She has the least level oven in it. What is Greensboro? Yeah, Edgecombe so. County, Buncombe County, or something. Yeah, we'll we'll break Guilford. it down. So, yeah, that rye. I'm uh, just now coming down from about half a bottle I slapped down last night by accident. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. We're gonna get into. Uh, we got to get into something here. Like I said, we're uh, we're out of UNC basketball. We're out of the Bachelor. We're out here in no man's land. Um, so, and uh, my man Heel, yeah, like here's here's the rule, man. If the if the pod is ever funny. Uh, or at least if I'm ever funny on the pod, it's probably because I'm in the bag. Uh, so if it's dry and all that sort of stuff, I apologize. It's just there are sometimes that society has deemed un- unacceptable to, you know, drink, and and I try to try to live by the the rules. I don't I don't I don't make the rules. I just live. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, uh, anything else, dude? That is it for me. All right, y'all. Stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs>